0: Uh, recording started. Excellent. Well, I think uh, what's what's going on in the pipe band world. I mean, one of the reasons we're doing the sort of fundamental things uh, this time of year is because there's not a whole lot going on. Although, with that said, um, the Metro Cup's coming up. I think. Yeah,
1: in a couple of weeks. Um, and actually, the piping Band Centre is doing a whole weekend of workshops. Um, they're calling the Metro Express. So. Uh, Roddy McLeod and company will be out there giving classes. And I think there's a amateur uh, competitions as well, I think, on Friday. Um, for, I think four through two, I believe.
0: So cool. I think
1: it should be a pretty good weekend.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've actually, shamefully, never been to the Metro Cup. But uh, everything I know about it uh, is that it's a super great event. It really
1: is. I, you know, it's probably one of the highest attended p contests in the world, I would have to say.
0: Now, let me, I will rebut what, I will rebut what you just said <laughs> um, by just asking, have you been to the Northern Meeting before?
1: Because I actually have not been to the Northern Meeting before. was yeah. I, I was, was going to add that caveat because I've heard the Northern Meeting is pretty well attended.
0: Yeah, like I, I, don't, I don't want to rain on your parade at all because <laughs> uh, so I'm sure it's the, it's the best attended North American pub event. But like oh, I was when I first started, um, you know, when I first made it into the medals and I started doing the Northern Meeting, uh, I was, I'm frankly blown away by the, um, by the attendance and the audience at the Northern Meeting. I mean, even, you know, the silver medal is, of course, not the most <laughs> riveting event for uh, listeners. But I remember there are always quite a few in the audience for the silver medals. And then um, uh, and then for the senior contests, it, it was a packed house, standing room only. You know, there's, you know, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of people that watched. And so, uh, but yes. It's sort of a rare thing huh to to find yeah, a I really guess if long we can
1: amortize it we can amortize it over three different Peabrock events maybe the Metro Cup still stands above the northern meeting perhaps I don't know Because you've be. got three you've got the clasp, you've got the uh, gold medal and you've got the silver medal, right so you know, yeah, maybe, maybe by the clasp, by the time the glass comes you, you've got like a full house if you want to hear that, which is pretty much the the lineup at the Metro Cup <laughs> I mean that is that is the contest, with the additions of uh, I think recent gold medal winners and various others. Um, you basically got you know people who have won a clasp or two or more, <laughs> and a Glenfiddich or two or more yeah. playing.
2: So.
0: So it should be uh, it should be pretty cool, and uh, hopefully, if anyone out there is from the metro area, maybe you could check it out this year and support that event. Um, and so I think all of the information you would need on that could be found, shall we say, at MetroCup. The I think
1: that's it. Yes. I think you can hopefully see the lineup up there by now.
0: Yeah, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, the invited players. Oh yeah, they have them all with bios. It's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Well, that's that's yeah that's I I. I Put together the program every year, so that's probably just cuts and pastes from my uh, <laughs> my program work there, which is fine. It's quite, it's quite, it's quite, it's quite a, it's quite a, it's quite a task actually, because you know you have a lot of players that come every year now, like Gordon Walker and Willie McCallum's there every year now these days, and you know it's it's always a challenge updating their bios because it's you know it, it gets to a point where like how many wins can you possibly list now? Does it before you just need to say that they have a dog, <laughs> or a kitty cat? At this point, you don't need to yeah. say any more than that.
0: Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, so anyway, um, shall we maybe digress to the topic of the day, which is um, you know we've been getting in a lot to you know a little bit into some of the fundamentals that we teach at the dojo, and I think that um, I think that what we're doing here and and uh, Vin, you're a member of Mor, and so you know, you know a lot of the philosophy. I think one of the cool things that we're able to do at Dojo University, which no other piping schools are able to do, and what I mean by piping schools is maybe like a summer school or a workshop or something, is we're really able to get into exactly what the fundamentals of bag piping are, and then we are able to teach them over a long period of time. So um, you know, piping schools are great, but you, you would only have a week and it can be difficult to sort of get into uh, certain ideas, and I think that's sort of, I mean, Vin, maybe you could, you know, artistically comment on, uh, on, on just the idea that traditionally bagpipe instruction is uh, extremely focused in a small period of time.
1: Yeah, yeah, and one of the tough things about that is carrying it through, you know, long term, like you said, you know, to in, into your own bagpiping and. One of, the, one of the real challenges, I think, for a lot of these summer schools, is that you're getting one person's vision, you know, which may or may not conflict with a vision that you've got, gotten from someone else, even sometimes in the same uh, workshop, you know, even the same summer school. So it's really hard to sort of carry the ideas through to, to, to bring them to their natural conclusion you know, and really see results in your own playing. Um, at the, at the, you know a lot of my, my experience with a lot of these workshops in summer schools is that they're really just a presentation of ideas, right? You know some yeah. of them you you, you kind of know already, um, but they're just getting reinforced and um, you know, some new ones perhaps, and you you go you leave excited, <laughs> and then you're left sort of floundering, you know, trying to f- work it into your own your own playing. You know you really need that sort of constant attention, you know, and reference, you know for yeah. for, for a lot of these ideas.
0: It's kind of interesting. I mean, I, I played a lot of competitive sports when I was in high school. Don't get me wrong; I was not a particularly uh, gifted athlete, but but I did enjoy I did enjoy uh, uh, all of it, and um, and I was actually reasonable at certain sports. But one of the things that's interesting about sports, or or maybe I can flip around and saying, one of the things that comes to mind when you talk about fundamentals, is oh, you know, competitive sports, right? So. I was a basketball player, and so we had dribbling, and we had, you know, basics of defense, you know, um, blocking out, uh, you know, the basics of a good jump shot, and different things like that. And these are fundamentals. But one of the interesting things is that if you play basketball in, in, in high school, and then it's even more when you when you play at a more serious level, you're not just practicing once a week like we do in a pipe band, and you're not getting a, ba- a basketball lesson. You know every once in a while, like you would if you're a bagpiper, instead, it's actually a season thing where you're actually practicing many days per week throughout the season.
1: Yeah, and there's a program at work too. A lot of times, and depending on the level that you're playing, the the coaches definitely are working um, you know with a structure. you know and because you're there every day and and they've got a a plan, hopefully, you know to 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 work in the right thing. so when you out play your game, you know it's the best it can be. Um, you know, I mean, you, you you used to say, you know, to, to get more uh, sort of Scottish, you can, you can use soccer as an example as well. You know, it's the same thing. You know, i mean, you know playing on a soccer team. It's, you know, you spend an entire week just working corner shots, you know, just over and over, and the goalies working too, because he's keepers working to stop them, and you're working to get them, and, and it's just a constant effort, you know, setting them up, working them, and just for like an entire week, just right. to do that, you know.
0: Exactly, and I guess my point would be, you know. Um, I'm very interested in. Okay, well, what are the similarities and differences between, um, you know, bagpipes as a competitive uh, activity and as an artistic activity? So, what are the similarities and differences there that uh, you know make things different? And, you know, um, I guess I'm just sort of attempting in vain to sort of bring this to the point I was trying to make, which is um, we focus a lot on fundamentals. Um, at the at Dojo U because it's an opportunity uh, for people if they choose to um, to get regular exposure and regular uh, development of those ideas as we uh, you know work through things uh, and so for example uh, we learn tons and tons of repertoire at Dojo U so we we do tons and tons of tunes I think we're up to like think we now have 180 tunes or something in our um, archive of tunes that we've taught, which is which is kind of cool, and, and they, they continually happen, and, uh, and so on and so forth. But we don't just work through tunes. We also look at them from the perspective of uh, the bigger picture of fundamentals. And uh, I think that all of the great piping teachers have excellent fundamentals, and they have a plan to teach them, um, but I think our structure lends us uh, really well to be able to do that, and so anyway, we talked a little bit about the basics of scale navigation and crossing noises a couple of weeks ago, and then um, and then we talked a little bit about articulation uh, as well, which is the basics of grace notes and doublings. Um, last week we had a special guest, but then this week we're back to talking a little bit about fundamentals and um, the issue here, and uh, you know th- the issue today we're going to talk about. Is dynamics, because and again, sort of comparing what we do in bagpiping to other musical forms, right? We we don't really talk about dynamics as pipers, do we? I mean, we do, but it's not. It seems like it seems pretty obvious uh, at at the first look that dynamics don't really apply to bagpipers. Well, we, f- we, we frame
1: is, it. When we frame a lot of people frame it differently, right? You call it. Uh, by these vague, vague words like expression or expressiveness or something, you know, which can mean a lot of different things, <laughs> just yes. by itself, you know.
0: Yes, I uh, I am in agreement, and I think that I'm just going to try and find a good window here. Yeah, here we go. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about I'll get rid of this articulation stuff, if it lets me. Wow, look at all that stuff, man. We covered a wow. lot last time
1: like the Twinkle example. (laughs)
0: Um, Anyway, uh, by the way, if you head to dojouniversity.com slash fundamentals, um, you'll see all of these laid out really well also. Uh, Yeah, and Siri says, drummers help us in band dynamics, which is definitely true. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about dynamics today. And I guess the issue is, yeah, we actually do address dynamics, even though it might seem like we don't. And uh, Vin is right. I think we use words like expression... And uh, phrasing is another one. Another one is...
1: Lift is the other one, right, that you hear yep.
2: sometimes.
0: Lift. lift is another one. Uh, I mean, uh, cutting, that almost requires another set of quotation marks, like cuttings is maybe, a, a maybe a, from a previous generation, the way of talking about it. Um, Siri says pulsing, sure. Um,
1: now, these days you get a lot of sheets that talk about contrast, right? sometimes
0: yeah contrast all these things are all terms and really I guess one of the points that I stress to our students is that all of these terms at least as far as how they're usually used in the pipe band world are referring to dynamics now the big misnomer here I think is you know here's the big question is how can an instrument with... One set volume produce dynamics? I think that's the big question. And we think about dynamics, you know, the, I think the first thing I think about is drumming, obviously, because we work with drummers a lot. And they, drummers can play at any range of volumes and colors as well, you know, and so um, dynamics is a lot easier thing theoretically to talk about in the drum core. And then you could think about violin players or fiddle players. You can Mm -hmm. play louder, or you can play softer. Um, You think about I'm not sure. I'm
1: not sure uh, like uh, bassoon players or oboe players. I think I'm not sure if they create uh, volume differences or not.
0: Not They definitely do. They do, right? Yeah. Yeah, although with a double reed instrument, I think the range of dynamics is a little bit uh, would might be a little bit more restricted. Although I'm Mm -hmm. not really educated on that topic overly. Um, but you know how does you know how do how do we deal with that issue of dynamics because it's an extremely important part of music making. Um, even you know uh, like Metallica uses dynamics, symphony orchestras use dynamics. Um, I don't know. Every, basically, every form of music is concerned with dynamics in some way. Yet uh, when you listen to a bagpipe from an objective point of view. You know, uh, aside, you know, and if you were to sort of evaluate it, you would say, well, dynamics, bagpipes. I don't know. They just have one volume and it's really loud. Um, <laughs> we have some interesting uh, ideas here. Mary is saying the agogic stress. Uh, yes. We, ha- we have to add that to this. How do you spell agogic? I, I know I've right. heard the word before or how do you say it? That's I mean correct. it's and then, agogic,
1: um, agogic, I think with a soft g the second g.
0: Yes, exactly. Um, and then there's other ones too like that have to do with um, you know delivery of poetry that I've heard used. What are some of those words? Um Ah, <sighs> oh, man, it's it's killing me. And it, it happens a lot in Pbrock as well. Uh, mm-hmm. the P. Yeah, there's
1: talking. like you know, the, it, yeah, it's the uh, the well the well placed pauses and uh, various. Uh, yeah, and I know what you're talking about. I can't remember, I can't remember them either.
0: <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, there's all all sorts of words and the the thing that I want to stress at the end of the day, is that um, all of these have to do with the the attempt to produce dynamics on an instrument that has one volume. Scansion, there it is. Thank you, Scansion. Jonathan. That is exactly well, that's, that's,
1: that's an encompassing word. There's actually other words that uh, sub, sub-word categories of that, basically, which you're, when you're trying to you're creating creating scansion, it's like you're, there's various things in poetry you're creating mood and drive and various other effects by the way you uh, read it.
0: Right, and then I think what I, what I would stress is these all have to do with dynamics and that they are all subjective uh, terminology. Okay, so uh, one of the things I personally am very concerned with when I teach is to try to, um, uh, to try to push the subjectivity um, as far up the process as possible. Okay? So well, establishing fundamentals at the base level um, as much as possible. And so expression, I, I do believe expression is extremely important. But to me, expression doesn't have to do with holding notes or anything. Okay? Ex- to me, expression has to do with molding all of the fundamental skills uh, you know, and then purposefully um, editing, you know, editing those fundamentals. Yeah. Uh,
1: I've also, sure. I've always had a problem with the word phrasing, you know, to me, phrasing is like a, you know, if you ever heard like a, an old machine regularly clunking, you know, that's phrasing, <laughs> you know, you get like, so this regular sound pattern that constantly goes and it's hypnotic and it's cool and it's like, you know, if you listen to it, but it's, it doesn't really do anything for you, you know? So phrasing, and then whenever you says sense, it's like, oh, good phrasing. It's like, that means, like, doesn't that mean, like, you're more machine-like than musical, music-like, you know?
0: Yeah, I, know. I, would, I would call it more this, right? I would call it phrase-sculpting as opposed to phrasing. Because you're right, phrasing is sort of an open-ended term. And I think a lot of times, just because, um, you know, it's hard to find uh, objective descriptions to some of these things, um, you know, it's you, we assign a word to it and we go with it and then we sort of infer mm-hmm. We infer that meaning, you know through experience mm-hmm. which and there's nothing wrong with that um, But I think the more understanding we can have about what we're doing the better. So mm-hmm. here's a here is the next The next thing I want to go to is um, I believe that dynamics can be produced on the bagpipes I think most bagpipers do inherently Okay, bag uh, dynamics can be produced we just produce them uh, in a different way, um, you know, than other instruments. So bagpipers uh, don't use volume to produce dynamics. We have to find other, uh, you know, we have to find other, uh, at, you know, musical attributes to play with. Okay, and so you know, and. And I think that's the big thing that's going on is, uh, obviously, we can't really um, adjust volume. Now, granted, we do have certain grace notes, um, and there are certain notes of the scale that might arguably be louder than others. So, when we go back to articulations from last week, um, articulations do um, produce a form of emphasis while we play. So, Articulations and our system of articulations is definitely a small factor in dynamics. But who out there maybe could contribute um, you know, what is the main musical attribute that we adjust um, in order to signify uh, importance in phrases, or, in other words, to simulate um, you know a dynamic range? Lisa is typing. Length of notes, exactly, and that's correct. So bagpipers, um, and uh, and I would just t- sort of take it to a broader level, and I would say bagpipers um, play, for lack of a better word, uh, with time in order to produce uh, dynamics or simulated dynamics. Okay, so. Um, the listener has certain expectations uh, when it comes to time. Okay, so we have a good uh, sense of time passing or things happening at a, a at a regular interval, and it's especially the beat and basic rhythms. Right, the listener has certain expectations when it comes to these, and pipers play with those expectations. Um, to show importance of notes and passages. Is that complicated or is that basic? Okay. Exactly, Lisa says we trick the listener into thinking a longer note is actually louder than the shorter one. I, th- and I think uh, a good
2: example
1: of that is classic example is that is listening to uh, a st- classic bay played by a fiddler and one, the same tune played by a piper. Yeah. that's a, a perfect example of that.
0: Exactly. Well, I think a fiddler is able to be you know, more regular with mm-hmm. the rhythm, and, and they use less rhythmic uh, trickery because instead they can, they can utilize volume changes. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's a good example of the contrast. Whereas a bagpiper would actually bend and stretch uh, <laughs> values of time in order to uh, achieve dynamics. Does that make sense to everybody? Let me, um, can you hear that okay? Is that coming through? I uh, I left my practice chanter at home, so I'm borrowing Carl's. So here's an example. L- let if we look at a tune like, oh, I don't know. Let me, uh, let me bring up a,
1: So as an aside, too, if if anyone's interested, I can I dig out the link. I think, but a great um, if you ever want a really a great illustration of this kind of thing, there's there's tracks of the eminent J. Scott Skinner playing. Um,
0: Who I want to hear that?
1: Yeah, it's really cool. It's a site. It's actually an archive of his writings and his scores, and there's some tracks of him playing. And it's when you hear it, like it's 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 amazing. You know, he'll play like these. Little tunes, these little stress bays, and it's it's like, and it's exactly that. Like he's got adjustments in volumes, and and you could really get a sense of the the kind of music that was really gripping people back then in the valley of the Spey River, where and then it naturally, you know, sort of carried over into other musicians wanting to reproduce that that feel, you know. Um, but it's 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 really an interesting it, an interesting hearing, you know.
0: Cool. I, I just have a little bit of Susan McLeod up here which is a stress bay, which is arguably um, our most dynamic uh, form of. um, I'm I'm trying to figure out Siri's uh, cryptic chats down there. Type info out. Yeah,
1: I'll see if I can find that link.
0: Um, Oh, I see. She wants that uh, info from Ben. Anyway, here's Susan McCloud, which is arguably our most dynamic and uh, quote-unquote expressive idiom here. And um, here's what happens if you play Susan McCloud um, the way that you would expect to hear it as a, as a, as a listener, right? It might be something like this. Right, so I'm just I just sort of played it through with the basic note values that would go in there. Now, what are some of the words that come to mind when you hear a performance like that from a bagpiper? Can you guys maybe type in some of the some of the words you might throw at that? Carl says yawn. <laughs> Mary says pedestrian. That's cruel, but you're right. Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> Uh, how about anybody else? I mean, there's one word for sure that comes to mind. Generic, round. Thank you, Lisa. That's the one I was looking for. It's very round and flat. Exactly. And what's interesting is if I played it exactly that way, but I could actually play the downbeats maybe a little bit louder on my fiddle or or drop some of the less notes down a little bit, mm-hmm. my guess is the exact same timings would sound a lot better. Okay. Uh, granted, there might still be a little bit of bending and stretching, but um, but yeah, it's because we only have one volume to play with. That if we play the that rhythmic interpretation the same way, it's going to sound very round and uninteresting. Okay, now let's let's do um, a, an extremely important bagpipe trick. Now we're going to add a bagpipe trick, which is whenever we see a dot cut rhythm. Okay. So uh, I'm going to show you with my arrow. So here, the first one's right here, and they, they happen all through Susan McLeod. So whenever we see a dotted note, we're not actually going to play that for three quarters of the beat like it would normally suggest. Instead, we're going to stretch that note as long as we possibly can. And then when we see a cut note, uh, we're going to shorten it to the degree we lengthen the first one. So you know, in, at the dojo, we say we play the dotted one as long as possible and we play the short one as short as possible. So it's no longer about you know, trying to divide beats into quarters. Instead, we're actually stretching the long note as long as we can, and we're playing the short note as short as we can. Now listen to, if I do that, listen to how immediately Susan McCloud becomes more interesting. Mm-hmm. So here I go. Uh, uh, there we go. so on right so is that more or less pedestrian mary wallace <laughs> see now i'm like and i'm really sweating because i want to make sure I, that mary leaves <laughs> that's,
1: that's, that's, a, that's a cruel word, man
0: yeah siri says you know, that you makes dance you want to like like that more yes mary says it's less pedestrian okay geez she's a she's tough, a tough crowd. one mary wallace I know Mary's also a bagpipe teacher, so she's very picky. So, Mary, maybe you could elaborate a little bit on, you know, in what ways, you know, it was improved. And, and then, there, but there's still room for improvement, right? Like, there's still problems there. So, we definitely we got a lot more lift out of the Strass Bay that time when we played Susan McLeod. Um, and it's certainly not. that, and that much, presentation much would
1: definitely be adequate for if you were playing for a for Highland Fling, probably.
0: Probably, yeah. Dances
1: would have, yeah. like, a little faster, but it, that, that presentation would have been sufficient.
0: Yes, totally. And um, so, um, so yeah, Mary's typing, it looks like. I'm really worried now. <laughs> the notes were certainly stressed beyond their exact value, which is certainly a good start. Exactly. and And so, you know, I feel like I was successful in doing what we call a lap A step, which is as long as possible and as short as possible on the dot cuts. So I was successful with that. And and, and so it's an instant improvement to the music, but still, at the end of the day, if I kept doing that forever and ever, you would still want to go to sleep, I think, wouldn't you? I mean the excitement of hearing the excitement of hearing that nice contrast between the dot and the cut, it only takes you so far. Mm -hmm. right it's still not you know um it's still important and and we call that you know at the dojo that we call that um, dynamics on a small scale or dynamics inside the beat so we can play with people's expectations with the basic rhythms that happen inside the beat but then we also have to do something very important and who maybe knows what that might be looks like siri's typing something and uh, I know we have some Dojo U students out there. <laughs> right. Siri wouldn't want to dance to it for long unless she, she was under the influence of certain substances, and uh, it, that um, that uh, you know that hurts. It hurts. Okay. Mary she says, "Bring up again. tempo and add phrasing." Yes, and I I sort of agree with Mary here, and I know phrasing. I know how she means phrasing. And uh, tempo as well. Tempo is a little bit um, obviously the faster the tempo, the more exciting. But at the same time, um, there's also a breaking point with tempo too, where it can be come so fast that you can no longer hear the detail that you want to hear. So tempo is definitely a consideration. And then phrasing is of course a big issue. And rather than calling it phrasing, right at the dojo we call it um, dynamics on a larger scale. Or we might call it phrase sculpting, and then occasionally we call it pulsing as well. So, um, and, and that's the same thing. So, and where we were playing with subdivisions of the beat before, like when we did the ALAP ASAP just now, now we're actually going to be talking about iterations of the beat. So, uh, the beats extending outward. So, uh, for example, let's say you have two beats. Okay, which we do. We have beat one and beat two here in Susan McCloud. Right. Which of these beats is more important? The first one or the second one? Then maybe you could chime in? Oh, it's
2: you're, trying the first be, one.
0: you're trying to be all, all liberal here and be like, Whoa, <laughs> all the beats are important. Uh, and well, they're, all important. they're all when,
1: important. When I'm sculpting my <laughs> phrases, every part of the, of the material is important. Yes. <laughs> that's the first yeah. one, obviously.
0: The first one is, well, yeah. at least by default, right? And by default, that, and right. You can, now, for me, expression, that, the word expression for me would mean maybe in certain cases, the second one actually is more important. And I can choose to change the way that I sculpt my phrase as a result of feeling that way, right? It, it is, as an expression, right? But by default, fundamentally, when we have two things that are equal, right, like beat one and beat two, theoretically, on the page are equal we need to, um, you know, the first one is actually more important than the second. Okay, That's the basic default evaluation. Okay, So in this case, I, the first beat is more important than the second beat, and the third beat is going to be more important than the fourth beat. Now the question is, we don't have volume to play with, so how do we show the importance of the first one over the second one? As bagpipers, what's our strategy going to be to show which one is more important?
1: Well, we said somebody said it earlier in the comments.
0: Mary's going to come out with some some sort of zinger. do <laughs>
2: she's
0: a liability out there. She's writing checks her body can't cash, or something like something can pop down. <laughs> Multiple attendees are typing. Through your fingers can have more fun with the second one. Uh, hold the first and enjoy the second. Okay, that's very interesting.
1: I never, I never thought about how my fingers might enjoy something like that. Give more consideration.
0: Right. So, and then Mary is going on with the agogic stress, which I would have to Google to figure out the meaning. But she's sort of um, she's sort of along the lines of what I would teach here. So we actually want to stretch the first one beyond you know its exact value. And then Lisa said I would mark my own personal music with a double dot on that very first dotted note. And then I would definitely not do that. Um, but I what most people are saying, which is basically correct, is that we want to hold the first note uh, especially because it's more important. Now here's Here's, a, you know, here's where my teaching might sort of venture out from other people. I'm not going to add a double dot, and I'm also not going to add an agogic stress um, you know, necessarily. All I'm going to do is I'm going to actually physically lengthen beat one. Okay? So, for example, if we were at 60 beats per minute, or other- otherwise known as one beat per second, beat one I'm going to play actually a little bit longer than one second. And then the kicker is, on beat 2, whatever I added to beat 1, I'm going to subtract. So let's say I, I made beat 1 1.1 seconds long. I would then balance it out by making beat 2 0.9 seconds long so that um, my beats still add up at the end of the day. But I'm actually going to lengthen certain beats and shorten other beats. And a lot of people are afraid to commit to this idea because, wait a minute. That means the beat is not actually perfectly steady. And um, my response to that is, of course it's not. That's the whole <laughs> fun of it. So, um, so here's what I'm going to do. I'll give you an example. Uh, in super slow-mo, my first little bit of Susan McCloud is actually, you know, and I'm going to exaggerate it, but I would actually do something like this. Now of course that's way too much contrast between beat one and beat two, but that's actually what I'm going to do, is I'm actually going to lengthen the length of beat one. Okay, uh, and, and it's because really I have no other choice if I really want to show the importance of that in the phrase. So listen to it. Listen to Susan McCloud now. We've got good alab asaps in there, and then I'm also going to do what I would consider some good basic pulsing, right, as along the lines of what we just discussed. And we're going to see that the, the tune, again, reaches a new level of interest. And if you disagree, I don't know. If you disagree, just be nice. Send me a private chat. Uh, <laughs> and also be sensitive to the fact that it's the middle of the winter. Uh, okay, I've made enough excuses. So here I go. And you'll hopefully listen for a strong, weak pulse or contrast that I'm putting throughout the tune. So here we go. And so on and so forth. So, hopefully, could you all hear that beat one? was actually and hopefully maybe you can even attest to the fact that it actually seems louder than beat two when i play it that way because i'm actually physically lengthening that beat and then i am shortening beat two i'm just going to let a few people are type in there
1: where is montevideo montevideo
0: could be wrong, but it's something yeah. Venezuela, I think,
2: no.
0: and then Siri is subjectively commenting that it sounds like I'm enjoying the longer notes and enjoying the embellishments, Uruguay, Uruguay. okay, very sorry, yes, it will be available on podcast. Excellent. So anyway, uh, back on topic. So uh, Siri says that sounds like I'm enjoying myself more, basically, is what she's saying. Which I think I am, because I'm able to put more interest into the music. Um, Whereas a clarinet player would actually play slightly louder, we emphasize lengthening the notes slightly. There you go. Well, and we're not just lengthening notes in this case. So my point would be uh, we lengthen notes when we're doing the inside of the beat, Dynamics like a lap ASAP. We're actually lengthening notes, but in this case We're actually lengthening and shortening beats, and that's very important and it's something that very few people um, I think truly embrace or understand even though we actually end up doing it Okay now there's still a problem with this though Which is if I do that for long enough and if you're forced to listen to that for long enough You're even going to find that boring and the reason is because we have the same thing happening time and time again. We have strong weak, strong weak, strong weak, strong weak, all the way through the tune. So, after a time, even this is going to be uh, a little bit tedious and redundant. And so, I'm going to go back to my old default again. So, this sort of layers out on itself. And now I'm going to say the first set of strong weeks is more important than the second set of strong weak. So, in other words, right this the first half of this bar is a little bit more important than the second half of this bar so what i'm actually going to do is i'm going to extend this beat even longer than i might normally extend it right and then this one will be a little bit less and then i'm also going to work during my weak beats to balance it, balance it all out so that it's steady okay and then what i mean are any people out there doing the calculations and we're, we're arriving on a very popular, um, yet somewhat dogmatic uh, bagpiping concept that floats around in the world. If we lengthen this strong one more than this strong one.
1: Nobody wants to grab that, huh?
0: No one wants to grab that one? Um, that's okay. I'm going to draw a little bit. Exactly Nathan yes, Roberts sir. has it so we come across a very interesting um, bagpipe concept here which most people don't fully commit to because they're not willing to actually let themselves extend and shorten beats but if we do that we end up with a very um, we end up with the very uh, important strong week medium week and Siri says sell it on eBay well That's sort of what we're doing anyway, really. Okay, so anyway, so notice how in this case, I can uh, overdo, or I can do the, the beginning of the bar even more than anything else, so that I get an even more complex phrase. So here I go. You know something like that, anyway. So then the, now you can hear that the the beginning of the bar is super loud and important, and um, emotional and spiritual and um, all sorts of stuff. You can hear all of that there um, as I use my pulsing technique or my dynamics on a large scale. All right. So can everybody hear how um, you know how these concepts can can forge an interesting. Uh, an interesting sort of uh, phrase. You know, um, what am I going for here? Image, phrase, image, or something. Now, what's interesting is, I mean, and that's that pretty much tops it off, you know, as far as fundamentally what we're dealing with. And I guess my next point is, for me, expression is. Not doing strong weak medium weak. Okay? To me, strong weak, medium weak, or or pulsing or whatever is a is a fundamental skill that we have to master, which is more along the lines of sculpting, you know, sculpting phrases successfully and balancing things out. Right? So if, if the metronome is at one beat per second, right? Or if, if that's the, the base rhythm here, then how long is the actual bar? It would be four seconds long, right? Because there's four beats in a bar. So I, I said we're going to stretch beat one way longer than a second, which is true, but um, whatever diminishing and other stretching that we do, at the end of the day, would have to add up to exactly four seconds on a regular basis in order to um, nicely balance each bar. And that's sort of the goal, right, is, is we can't hold every note. And I think that's the problem with the agogic um, stress that Mary was saying, is um, we're not really um, I don't think it acknowledges balance enough when, when it's taught in just that way. So hold certain notes. Let's hold certain notes. And, and so the balance has to be learned subconsciously or instinctively, um, which, which is doable. It's certainly how I learned, certainly how most of us learned. Um, but I think to acknowledge uh, the issue of balance is important. Now, for me, anyway, uh, going back to the idea of expression, For me, expression is more taking these fundamentals and playing with them a little bit. For example, not every bar of Susan McLeod needs to be uh, strong weak, medium weak. Uh, Although, you know, Susan McLeod, most of the time, here's a good example. Let's go to the third part of Susan McLeod, because we were just talking about this at band practice on Sunday, right, Vin? Is is we were looking at... um, the third part. Now granted we do strong week, medium week a little bit here. It's really mostly strong, weak, strong, weak for me there. Right? But when we get to phrase two, I'm less concerned with trying to sculpt a beautiful phrase. And instead I'm gonna let the bubblies speak for themselves. Right? I'm gonna let the bubblies really um, speak for themselves here and I'm just gonna play it relatively straight. Um, And I'm going to make sure I don't rush into the bubbly off the D throw so this phrase is actually going to be pretty straightforward You can put a little bit of stress in there, but it's generally going to be more flowing So um, I don't know if you can hear any of this diversity here, but um, you know for me. It's what I'm shooting for like that anyway okay and so um you know and so that's sort of what we're going for there siri says learning dance really helped me understand this why so rarely <laughs> i, I kind of like to tease siri because she makes lots of typos <laughs> physically gotcha physically, physically is probably what she was going for there. <laughs> viscerally oh wow there you go Viscerally word for you um i hear lots of times to picture a dancer when playing a stress bass
1: yep i heard that a lot when i was learning stress bass i think but you know it's it's it's, it's tough to do because a lot of times like uh, like i said earlier the way you played it with just sort of emphasizing the uh you know the the same beats over and over again i mean the dancers love that stuff you know and it, it, it becomes really easy to dance to that um and even the dancers themselves don't necessarily uh, dance at a regular rhythm either. You know, depending on the steps that they got going on, they, they, they do a similar thing with the, uh, with the steps within, the, within that tune, you know? So they'll, they'll be doing, sometimes there's a heavy down on a beat, sometimes there's not, sometimes it's something a little bit softer in the context of another movement, you know? Um, so, but they just, they still have to place it right, but it's still, it's it's not as, as one-two, 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 you know? Um, so the the dancer the dancer analogy gets a little old after a while.
0: I mean, when it you, does, it, if you, it, once it,
1: you know a little more about dancing. <laughs> it's like I know it, it disappeared the minute my daughter started taking a dancing. That's for sure.
0: I, I think it's interesting. I do, you know, and um, uh, I think those I think those images are helpful to get started for sure, right? Um, but yeah, at the yeah, end, yeah. Of, but at the end of the day, right? I, I don't think that, um, you know, I think it goes beyond that, right? I think it goes beyond. Um, you know, fundamentally thinking of a dancer. even if that is the fundamental sort of thing that you're trying to do, you have to go beyond that and you have to really make the Stras Bay an extension of what you want it to be um, and you have to put your own nuance into it and you have to do interesting things or else the music um, doesn't really um, doesn't really speak to you. and I'll give you a perfect example and this isn't meant to offend any dance pipers, but when I, if you listen to a dance for me, anyway, if I listen to a dance piper without watching the dancers, so if I'm just listening to it uh, without watching what's going on, I am not very, am um, not very emotionally uh, connected to that performance. The performance is not um, is not really stirring my soul in any way, or or I'm not hearing anything new and exciting. Okay, versus when I listen to people play Bays at a really high competitive level, uh, or at a, at a really high level recital or something, you know, the Strathspeys are way more interesting and fascinating. Mm-hmm. And that's because they're going above and beyond what's fundamentally yeah. expected.
1: And, and that's why the image sort of, you know, gets you, it'll, it'll sort of give you the feel of the thing, uh, but after that you really, I mean, there's, you listen to some of the better, you know, the, some of the greater pipers playing a Strathspey there's no dancer that could dance to that. You know, they, they would really have a hard time, probably. Um, you know, so it's it can only get you so far until you know until you're at a point where you can actually bring your own your own uh, thing into the into the tune.
0: Right. So it's not that picturing a dancer is bad. It's only that where I would be I would advocate to go above and beyond you know that basic image. Um, and and you know uh, it would be interesting to hear um, uh, David Wilton's perspective on this, for example. Because mm-hmm. he is a um, champion dancer and a champion piper. So, what does he picture when he plays Strass Bayes?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: what yeah. are his thoughts on the matter? Um, which, uh, That's you bad. know, good. it would be interesting, right? Like, I, I can only, as, as you can tell, like, my, my dancing prowess is, is uh, pretty limited. So, I've been forced to uh, learn Strass Bay's based on only a very limited experience with dancing. Uh, and that yeah. is a great idea for a class, and, um, yeah,
1: uh... Um, well, Lisa, Lisa said the dance player is playing to the dancers, not necessarily the tune like... I hope not, because the dancers aren't going to like that very much. Because a lot of them, you know, they get off their stuff as just as much as a piper gets off his or her stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it's a... Uh, the, pi- the dancers are actually trained to be following the piper, so he or she better be on their game, you know? Yeah.
0: So, uh, anyway, I, th- I think that's a pretty good discussion. I mean, any other thoughts would be welcomed. Um, as we sort of venture towards wrapping this up here. Um,
1: yeah, I know Dan. He's, and... He'd be a good guy to ask. He's been taking lessons for a while now.
0: Yeah, I, I think that uh, – Oh, yeah, he's a world champion. That's interesting. Cool. Mm-hmm. Maybe he would be a good person to ask. Um for sure. Um, let me see here. I guess I was going to bring up one more topic. Hold on one second. Which is? I hope that didn't make too much noise in people's ears. There you go. Um, oh, who, who is who is that,
1: Lisa? Just as a curiosity. Former instructor.
0: Ah. Uh, ah, yeah. of course. Um, yeah, next week, sorry. I want oh, to talk about dancing. this. Next week, we're going to go into this book, uh, which uh, who knows how to pronounce the name of it? Uh, but, um, Where'd you get that? Uh, I got this at Kansas City. Um, I, I met Alan McKenzie, and uh, he handed me this book, which is um, really, really cool. Uh, Ooh, can, can I get, can get one? Stuff. <sighs> And uh, yes, you can get one. The dojo will be carrying these shortly, and uh, we'll talk about this more next week. With any luck, I either want to get Alan to uh, come on the show and talk about the book with us, or at, at the very least, give me permission to uh, use some of these in PDF form so we can actually play through some tunes together.
1: What's, 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 so, what's so good about it? What's some uh, of the interesting all, things in it?
0: It's like, you know how when you look through a book and you get like one out of five tunes that really catch your ear? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Carl, Carl and I were just kind of going through this yesterday. Like
1: everyone's a gem, right? It's like,
2: well, like every page is
0: more yeah, or less. There's a high number. There's a high uh, number of gems here, and uh, and there's some J. Scott Skinner tunes that are just kind of magically in the book. Which for me, I That's really cool. like. My eyes light up because everything by him or about him has always become, you know, have always become my favorite tunes. Oh and yeah. There's quite a few, which I'd like to play through a couple of them. Uh, next week, and so on and so forth as well. So anyway, Alan, I don't know if you're out there somewhere in the universe, but uh, I'm going to send you an email really soon about next week's show because it would be cool. And I don't know – I want to learn more about Alan as well because it's very interesting. Uh, According to Mark Dubois, um, he was involved with the 78th Halifax uh, to some degree. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's from Chattanooga. I think he is from – the Cape Breton area, although I don't know, I don't really know for sure. I probably should have read the information about him in the foreword, uh, which I I admit I haven't. I've only looked at the tunes. I have to like study this more, but anyway, um, it's good for us too because we'd love to sell the book to anyone who's interested as well. So we'll we'll uh, have a little special next week on Wednesday for those who tune into the show, to get a deal on the book.
1: Yes, Skinner is spelled Skinner. J. Scott Skinner. John Scott, yeah. J.S. Skinner. Not right. from Cape
0: <laughs> Excellent. Cool. All right. Um, well, I think, Vin, I think that's a great place to sort of wrap it up for today. But at least, unless, unless we need to delay that, that's probably what we'll be talking about next week. And uh, right. other than that, uh, we'll see everybody in and around Dojo U. Um, We certainly hope that our guests that were here today, if you like what we're talking about, would uh, hopefully consider getting a membership with us and uh, checking out some of our classes. Um, Because we do lots of live classes, and all the live classes we've ever done, with very few exceptions, are all in the archive as well. So you don't have to pick uh, an exact schedule in order to get a lot out of Dojo U. So Um, so anyway, maybe you guys can um, check us out. So anyway... Excellent. Uh, Thanks for coming.
2: Have a good day, everybody.